Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant, another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churchtea.org. See my mug? I don't know if y'all can see it. It's, I'll I'll walk back here a little way so you get a good look at it. I was at a pastor's meeting about, oh, a week and a half ago. Had this thing sitting sitting with a bunch of other leaders from the community, elected officials, pastors. And this thing was sitting on a round table at the Packard building. And a pastor walked up to me and pointed at my, pointed at my mug and started laughing. And I looked at him and I said, man, this mug's got character, man. This mug has been places. If this mug could tell stories of the family adventures it's been on, the meetings it's been in, the church services it's attended, the drives down the road it's been a part of, the conversations it's gone on, this cup is not just any old nasty mug. This mug has been places. It is a constant companion. And if you guys know me very well, you know I like good coffee. And there's some people sitting among you who, who serve me good coffee pretty regularly. My, my, my second office is Roast Coffee Shop, in case you're wondering. I spend mo- most, of, most of the week sitting there, and I, I, I have a list of to-dos to get done, and I find myself meeting people, and I love it, and I never get my to-do list done, and it's awesome. And this mug's been, been in places like that. I, I, I worry for us sometimes that we're worried about how we look when God's trying to use us to get his story across. I worry that sometimes we would hide our brokenness. It would be really easy for me to take my mug and hide it under the table when, the, when, when, the, when that other pastor kind of laughs and giggles at my mug. But, but I don't want, I, I want, this is, this is, I'm proud of this mug. I've already drank all the coffee out of it this, this morning. I, 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 I want this mug to help me continue to walk out life. I'm not going to kick it to the curb. You know, I'm like Archie Bunker in his chair, right? Not getting rid of that thing. And I I think sometimes we think because we have pain or because we are going through something that sometimes we want to hide from that. We don't want people to know that we're going through that. We don't want people to see it. And and, and I used to play sports. Uh, The word used to is probably really relevant there. Um, Used to be an athlete. (laughs) Don't have much of that left anymore. Uh, When I I played football, and and it would be common terminology would be no pain, no gain, Right? And here's what I found about Jesus. Jesus causes gain in spite of and in through your pain. He, gi- he gives you something out of your pain that you couldn't normally acquire otherwise. And it's because of the things you walk through that he allows you a chance to, to do something. I think, I think we tend to shy away from our story. I think sometimes we, we especially try and stray from the broken and the messy pieces. We don't want people to see the red missing paint off of our lives, right? And, and I, I, it worries for me. But see, I, I, because of this, because these are the very places, these nicks and chips are the very places that, that, that God's telling his story, his grace story to the earth. He's been writing it for all of time, and this is how he gets it across. And we shy away from it. So I'm going to say this numerous times this morning. Grace reaches through brokenness and changes lives and glorifies God. I want to say it one more time. Stan accuses me at times of talking too fast. Stan's like, slow down, Aaron. Let us chew on that for a minute. 
Okay, my brain kicks in and my lips and my tongue go 100 miles an hour and I can't keep up. Grace reaches through brokenness to change lives and glorify God. Grace reaches through there. Look at, look at 2 Corinthians 3.18 with me for just a second. This is going to be our theme verse for the broken and beautiful transformation. The Apostle Paul writes here in 2 Corinthians 3.18 these words, So all of us who have had that, that veil removed can see and reflect the glory of the Lord, and the Lord who is the Spirit makes us more and more like Him as we are changed into His glorious image. Now I want to say this to you. The reason you need to not hide from your story or your brokenness or your mess is this, is because this is an us thing. This is not a me or you thing. This is a thing we all gain benefit by the testimony of the story of grace God is telling and God is writing. But if we don't share it together, then there's no place for it to be told. And over and over again, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, there's these words, us. Paul's not saying you as an individual. He's not saying me as an individual. He's saying us collectively get to reflect the glory of God, and we, get, we together get to be changed into his glorious image. And so if we don't tell the story, we don't let it out of the bag what God's doing, that can't happen. Now, now look at 2 Corinthians 4.12. Listen to these words from Paul. Now, we've been, we started in, in 2 Corinthians 3.18, and we've been weaving our way since the beginning of the year down through chapter 4 of 2 Corinthians 4. So we're, we're down to verse 12 now. And it says these words. So we live, the apostle Paul writes, in the face of death. But this has resulted in eternal life for you. The apostle Paul was writing as a guy who's carrying the gospel with him wherever he goes. And he finds difficulty. He finds messiness. He's confronted with his own weakness at times. He, you can read about that in 2 Corinthians 10. 10, about him just facing his own weakness, that, he, that there's, there's something that just afflicts him constantly, and, and he, 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 he doesn't know how to get around it, doesn't know how to get past it, ask God to take care of it for him. He just doesn't know how to get rid of it. And, and he's like, we face death. We face difficulty. We, face, we, we see our bodies decaying over and over and again. Why? So that the life of Jesus might be seen. So I want to say this to you. Your pain's not in vain. The reason you can't refrain from telling your story, the reason you can't refrain from, from eyeing your brokenness or letting it out of the bag or, or trying to, the reason you can't deny your brokenness is this. It's how God's going to get his grace story across. And if you don't want your pain to be in vain, you've got to focus. You've got to let it out there. You've got to let it be out in the open. You've got to let Jesus deal with it. You've got to let the, the, your circle of friends around you deal with it. You've got you to let the people who, who could use it the most benefit from it. Let it out there in the open. That's how it's not in vain. But if you withhold it, all the pain, all the suffering, all the difficulty you go through ends up being in vain because nobody knows what God's doing. Nobody's there to help shoulder the load. Here's the other thing. The reason is, is because if we hide from ourselves, one of the ways we, be, we, 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 we exude the character of Christ is because we bear one another's burdens. Paul says that's how you fulfill the law of Christ in Galatians 6. And so here's the deal. If somebody doesn't know you have a burden to bear, they can't be Jesus to you. And your pain remains in vain because there's no way to get help. There, 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 there has to be a place where, where, where we allow it to work for us. Now, there's a story in Genesis 
where this guy named Joseph faced an enormous amount of pain and difficulty. And trouble. I bet at times he felt like he probably did feel his life was in imminent danger. He probably felt like he was going to die. He went through all sorts of, he was betrayed by his closest of friends, his, his brothers, in fact. They had a plot to kill him, and one of them had, had a saner mind and said, no, let's not do that, but let's just throw him in a pit. Leave him there. Whatever happens, happens. That was nice, huh? And just so happens at that moment, a, a, a band of slave traders comes walking by, and they're his own brothers sell him into slavery. And he sold into slavery in Egypt, and he ends up in Egypt. He begins to work and, and, and doesn't let the stuff get to him, and he excels to the top of his job so much that his boss, his, his owner, allows him to run his whole house. And then his boss's wife accuses him of raping her, and all of a sudden he's found in more difficulty. He didn't even do anything wrong, and he ends up in prison. And while he's in prison, he meets two guys who are in big trouble and, 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 and uh, guys who worked in the king's house. And they, they had dreams, and he interpreted the dreams. And he just begged them one cool thing. Don't forget about me when you end up back in, in, in the king's court. Guess what? They forgot. And here he is, lying in jail, in prison, forgotten about. And then God gives him a way out. And he excels to the prime minister of the land. And guess who comes marching back into his court? Those brothers who betrayed him. And he had a chance to exact vengeance if he wanted to. And he looks at them in the face and he says these infamous words about his pain. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. See, when you start beginning to tell the story, then he and his brothers in that moment have a, a reunion like no other reunion. The Bible says he wept and he cried. He, he, he hugged them around the neck. And then he was used by God in spite of his pain to save his father and his brothers and their whole family from a famine because he didn't allow the pain to take him out. And his pain, though it was excruciating, wasn't in vain. I think we lose sight of that. The Bible says here, one of the translations of these words in 2 Corinthians 4.12, it says, death is at work in us so that life might be at work in you. Now, that word at work means, it means to have energy, to be active, to be powerful, to be effectual. It means to be full of power to achieve results. What, what, what Paul is saying here is when death's at work, something else is at work too. And it, and it's, it achieves its goal. Well, even though it seems like it's excruciating for us, if we hold it in, it can't work like it's supposed to. Because if we let it out, if we allow our pain to be exposed, we allow our, our brokenness to be dealt with, we allow our story to be told, then suddenly it goes to, that pain goes to work, making us more like Jesus and empowering and encouraging and strengthening other people. And that, that that's how life comes to work, but we can't hide from it. The message translation reads like this of verses 11 and 12. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. Did you, did you read that? Let me, let me say that one more time. Our lives are at constant risk for Jesus' sake, which makes Jesus' life all the more evident in us. Verse 12, Eugene Peterson translates it this way. While we're going through the worst, you're getting in on the best. See, if you withhold what's going on and God, how God is at work in your life 
through difficulty, through pain, through suffering, through ugliness, through messiness, then, then, then that doesn't happen. You may be going through the worst, but somebody else can get on in on the best if you allow, that to ha- you allow God to work that way in your life. But if you withhold it, it doesn't happen. You see, grace reaches through brokenness to change lives and to glorify God. That is how it works. God gets glory when human weakness is exposed and he's shown as the almighty God. That's what happens. Lives get to change. You don't have to be all that in a bag of chips. You you get to be a son of God because of the grace of God. And because of the grace of God, you get to experience healing and hope and strength. Not because you're perfect, but quite the opposite, because you're not. Because you are messy. Because you are broken. Because life hasn't panned out the way you want it to. Because you're disappointed. Because you're disgusted. Because you've been busted. Right? got a few friends sitting around here who've been busted before right d i don't know this is this is the busted corner over here or something huh but god's using the story i can look around here there's stories all around here where where brokenness came about and then god brought healing and intervened in the middle of it and God's doing something glorious because of it. And, and, and if we don't allow him to utilize it, we're missing out. Look at verse 13. Paul says, even though we're out facing death all the time, he says this, but, I used to have a football coach who would say this, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts, we'd all have a Merry Christmas. There's a big but right here at the beginning of 2 Corinthians 4.13. He says, even though we're facing death all the time, we continue to preach because we have the same kind of faith the psalmist had when he said, I believed in God, so I spoke. When you're going through something and you, you are allowing your brokenness to be contended with, you're allowing God to use it. Can I remind you of something really important? It's not just your story. It's the gospel that dispels despair. You cannot tell your story without telling the story of the gospel. And if you forget the gospel, see, Paul says we continue to preach the gospel. We're telling our story, but our story is directly related to what Jesus does with the gospel, in the gospel. And if I, don't, if I withhold that, then I'm missing it. Romans 5, 1 through 4 reads like this. Therefore, since we have been made right in God's sight by faith, we have peace with God because of what Jesus Christ our Lord has done for us. Not because of what we've done. Not because of what we do, but because of what he's done, we have right standing with God. We have peace with God. Because of our faith, Christ has brought us into this place of undeserved privilege, grace, where we now stand. Those are these words. And we confidently and joyfully look forward to sharing God's glory. We look forward to sharing God's glory. Now, how how do you get to do that? Next words are going to fry your circuits. Paul says this, we can rejoice too when, everybody look at your neighbor and say when. Now tell, tell, tell them to strap, strap on their, their seatbelt. Get your seatbelt on. This ain't going someplace where you think it's going. We can rejoice. Because the next few lines I'm going to say you wouldn't associate rejoicing with these next few words. We can, we, we, we can rejoice too when We run into problems and trials. For we know they help us develop endurance. 
And endurance develops strength of character. And character, listen to these words, strengthens our confident hope of salvation. You can be more assured of God being there with you when you've gone through something than when everything's just running fluid. He's like, I, 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 I know that things have been difficult. I know you've been through some stuff. But when you, when, when you know the grace that you stand in, when you understand the power of the gospel, even when bad things are going on, you can stand. And then that becomes the course by which you develop into Christ-like character. And that's how you share in the glory of God. Isn't that awesome to think about? So I don't, I mean, I, I suppose, you know, Jay, Jay, I love Jay sitting here like this and going, hey, man, I've had a bad week. Uh, I feel like a hypocrite right now. And I'd like to take a poll, although they tell me not to do that because you make people feel weird. I wonder how many of us, the rest of us felt like that this week. I'm going to guess it's not an uncommon thing. I mean, you guys feel like the, the, the edges are creeping in on you? You feel like things like, oh, my gosh, I'm under stress, under pressure. And I realize I'm not all that. Anybody had that, 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 that occurrence this week? I can't fix it. I don't know. I feel broken. I don't even know why. I don't know what else is going on, but that, that's, God's grace is even at work in the middle of that. we got to continue with our purpose and our mission. Our mission. Every person in this room is made in the image of God. Every one of us. Well, I'm not even following Christ yet. I don't care. The Bible tells me every human being was made in the image of God. Every one of us. You know what that makes your purpose? Your purpose is to glorify God. You may not arrive at that conclusion yet. You may not understand that. If you're running around looking for purpose, I want to tell you something. The way you find it is to tap into relationship with him, and then you begin to do that. And so here's the idea. We have to continue on purpose and mission to make sure God gets glory. And here's the thing. Mercy Me sings a song. Whatever it takes to bring you glory, Lord, send the rain. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes for, for, for people to see you in me. Whatever it takes for you to develop yourself in me. Whatever it takes, I want to be a part of that. And, 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 and I think we've, we've, we've got to come to grips that we have to continue through it, not, not quit because of it. Can I say this? Lives of faithfulness validate the words of truth. I'm not saying the words of truth aren't true if you don't live it out. What I am saying, though, is all the gospel... Uh, sharing you've done, all the praying for people you've done, all the words of encouragement you've given, they're only validated because they watch you walk through stuff. And, 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 and I think those are the most important pieces of the puzzle. Romans 5.5 5 then goes on to say, and this hope will not lead to disappointment. The, the confident hope of salvation that's developed by endurance, that's developed by hard times, does not lead us point. For we know how God dearly loves us because he has given us the Holy Spirit to fill our hearts with his love. He never leaves us. Never, he pours in his living water into us. The Bible says that out of the bellies of those who are, who are, are his, living water will flow outward like flood waters. That even when things are bad, God still is pouring out and pouring through. And guess what? We get to be a part of that. Why wouldn't we want to be a part of that? Can I encourage you about something too? When I talk about the gospel, I want, I want you to think about this. Because some of you right now automatically think of a, you know, an opportunity to go on the corner and to be a street preacher or something. You know? And maybe that's okay. But if, if we get to the point where we're ready to convey the letter above, above the heart of the Spirit of God, we've missed it anyway. 
We can, we can go through the gyrations of proclaiming the gospel, but if we lose the spirit of the thing and we make people feel bad for where they are in spite of the fact we're trying to get the gospel, which is the point, the gospel is the point, people aren't where they're supposed to be. We need the gospel because we can't get there. And if we lose the heart of the gospel, trying to get the letter of the gospel across, we've messed up anyhow. And I can try and get the, 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 every jot and tittle and point across, but if I fail to remember that Jesus came to invade the lives of those who had no hope, who couldn't get it together, and I, I try and make that the big point rather than embracing them and allowing God to do his work the way he wants to, when he wants to. Hey, can I say something to you? I'm going to sound really critical. Jesus doesn't need a salesperson. He needs a vessel who can meet, be meek and humble and lowly and engaged and loving and compassionate and all that. But he doesn't need you to sell him. He needs you to love people because of him. He needs you to walk alongside of people because of him. He need, and he'll do the selling, you trust me. And probably the selling he'll do will be how you walk through stuff in your life probably. And, and so I, I think you just got to come to grips with that. L listen, the word believe, he said, we, we, we believe, therefore we speak, means to believe to the extent of complete trust. Can I say something to you? You don't completely trust till you've been through something. My wife and I could have said we trusted each other. And we said we're, and I, I, I forgot, I, I need to ask for, is it all right if I talk about us? Oh, sure. <laughs> yes, it's fine. Okay. I get myself in trouble because I just go with the fly and I forget that I, I, my, my story enveloped other people's story and then I forget like I'm telling their story too and I should ask first. We, my wife and I, when we began, we began our marriage, we talked a lot about trust. We weren't being very successful at being trustworthy people. Ooh, I just said something, didn't I? I seen all the heads look up like, what? Phew! Like whiplash. It wasn't until we had gone through some things together that we began to develop this idea that we could really trust each other and it not be just mere words. Can I say something to you? God wants you to develop trust in him, and the way you develop trust is him is when he walks you through difficult, ugly circumstances. And then you realize, I don't have it, he's got it. You realize you're not strong, he's strong. You realize you're weak, he's the one who's got all the, all the resource, you let him go. Can I say something else to you? Confession is a big part of this thing called Christianity. He said, I believe, therefore, we believe, therefore we spoke. Confession is huge. James 5.16 says this, if we confess our faults one to the other, that's where healing begins. And most of us quote the second half without realizing it's a touch to the first half. It says, the effective fervent prayer of the righteous makes much power available. But the context is, I confess my sin to some brother who can help me get through it. And I'm not saying the, the effective prayer of the righteous isn't, isn't available in other circumstances, but the context the scripture puts it in is that I'm going through something. I need help. I'm broken. I'm messy. I'm tore up. I'm, I'm facing something, and I, I got to let somebody else in on it. And confession is a big deal. If I, I can't begin this journey of faith unless I utilize the idea of confession. I have to confess that I don't have it, that my life's messed up because of me, that I'm a sinner, and that Jesus is Lord. I have to. That's how I start. And I continue all the way through life by confessing my weakness and his strength. 
I continue this journey by confessing him as Lord and be a servant. I continue this journey by confessing I'm broken and he's healer. I, I walk through this, this idea confessing that I need brothers. I can't live life on my own. And when I do that, then suddenly this idea of the grace story is being told and I don't even realize it. God's grace reaches through brokenness. It changes lives and it glorifies God. Look at verse 14. Paul uses another big word. He said, but at the beginning of verse 14, now he uses another couple of words that just kind of set the tone, right? We know. He's not lacking confidence here. The bad times he's faced, the death he's faced hasn't took him off course. It's only deepened his faith. We know that God who raised the Lord Jesus will also raise us with Jesus and present us together with himself. Together, present us to himself together with you. It, it, reminds, it looks just like 2 Corinthians 3.18. It's not a me thing. It's not a you thing. It's an us thing. It's us together. Being broken and being messy and being confessional and being all that, that God's going to raise up, right? See, brokenness gives way to life because of Jesus and his community. A sure way for me to die in my tribulation is for me to let, let, let Jesus in and not let his church in. A sure way for me to be resurrected through my difficulty and tribulation and, and, and messiness is to let Jesus in and his church in. And that's vulnerability, man. It's scary. I get it. I know some of you are sitting here right now and you thought some, some church people are the people who messed me up the worst. Uh, probably so. Can I encourage you? The beautiful thing about the church is there's not one person in here who's perfect. Therefore, we do dumb things. Where's a bunch of hypocrites at that church? Well, have mercy. You know what you think is a hypocrite a lot of times? It's just a broken person who don't know how else to live. Don't know how else to talk. Don't know how else to do anything. There's a bunch of us here. I mean, if, we get, if we're passing out grades right now, most of us ain't passing. Can I use ain't? I'm supposed to be a communicator, and I use words like ain't. I don't know. Right? None of us are passing, really. We're maybe better than we used to be, but we were flunking out bad. You know what I mean? I mean, I, I, and, and if you knew, you know, Jay, appreciate your honesty. I, it, today, if, if, you know, be kind of crazy. If my words, thoughts were suddenly up on that screen from this week, you'd all be like, that dude's a mess. He, he got real problems. You know? Huh? He'd been angry. Huh? He's been depressed. He's been discouraged. He's complained. He's mumbled. He's thought lustfully about things. I mean, I just go through the list. I just, you know, you're just like, what I'm saying? We're all broken. But the only way we get better is by coming to Christ and enjoying the fellowship he's given us as broken people walking this thing out together. I mean, I, 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 I think we forget that sometimes God knows it all anyway, and we still think we can hide from him. 
See, I want to say this. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in us. Therefore, death has no victory. Therefore, I can, ex- I can allow myself to be exposed because I, I should be already dying because I died with him on the cross, is what Paul says. But I also know this. His resurrection power lives in me. So if I have to let my pride die a little bit to let him get glory, I got, I got to let that happen. Because I know he's going to raise me up. I know he's going to raise us up together because that's what he says. And I know that death doesn't win. The worst thing that can happen to me today is that I would die. But I want to tell you something. At the same time, it's the best thing that could happen to me. Because if I die today, guess what? I'm standing in front of Jesus. How do I lose? Oh, y'all can do better than that, I think. I mean, I don't know. Huh? And take this, take this to the bank. Because God raised Jesus from the dead, he's raising us. We are his body. His body's been raised one time. It will be raised again. We get to be a part of that, right? And so, listen, we're, we're going we're to walk this thing. Grace reaches through brokenness to change lives and glorify God. Look at verse 15. All of this is for your benefit. What's Paul saying? Everything hard, difficult, ugly, broken, even facing death in the face is for the benefit of the people he's writing to in Corinth. And as God's grace reaches more and more people, there will be thanksgiving and God will receive more and more glory. The benefit of us facing our brokenness, telling the story of grace God's doing, is that this, more and more people are reached with the grace of God. That's the, that's the benefit. Guess what the result is? The result of allowing your brokenness story to, be, to, to testify about God is that he gets more and more glory, which is the purpose you were created in the first place. See, I've, we have the privilege of being a part of this glorious process. We have the privilege of our weakness becoming a testimony of the grace of God, the comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit. I mean, what? let me ask you this question. What if the people around us could see through our brokenness and weakness and see the glory of God. What if right now the people around you could see through the brokenness and the weakness that you have and translate the glory of God out of that? What if we stopped allowing, let me ask this question, what if we stopped allowing our weakness and brokenness to be a problem for the work of God and saw it as an opportunity for the grace of God. Because some of you are worried about telling your story because you think it's a problem for God to get his work done. Let me assure you something. It is not. God's going to get his stuff done. Your ability and your privilege to work in it is what's hindered. Are you hearing me? I read a book a few years ago called For the City. It was about this church, this pastor who planted a church, wanted to plant a church in Austin, Texas. It was a, actually, it was like a, a biographical story about two pastors who planted two churches in two different cities in America. And, and, and this guy, he went to the, the mission board, said, hey, I want to plant this church. I want to do this. And, and, and he had the resume. He had been to Bible college. His dad was a preacher. He served in this kind of ministry. He'd done this all kind of stuff. Blah, blah, blah. And they were like, man, your resume is awesome. But we're worried about something. He's like, what's that? He said, you, you want to plant a church in the inner city of Austin, Texas? And he said, yep. And they said, you, they, they said these words, you don't know the brokenness that lives there. You don't know the difficulty that lives there. You don't know the life and death circumstances that live there. You don't understand what those people go through. You haven't really suffered in your life, and we don't think you're going to be able to connect with those people. 
He walked out of that mission board meeting, kind of distraught, kind of discouraged, kind of messed up. And he's like, God, whatever. I feel like you put this in my heart. Whatever it takes for that to happen, I want to carry it out. Within the next year, he was diagnosed with cancer. He had a parent die unexpectedly. Several friends betrayed him. And in the next year, he was just finding himself like, oh, my gosh. And guess what? There's a church of multiple thousands of people in Austin, Texas right now because of this guy's testimony and his leadership in the church. But I don't think it happens unless he allows himself to walk through the suffering and allow the brokenness that he is to be exposed for the greatness of the grace of God. Last week, I told you about being with some pastors. We, we, we were there because we believe in community transformation. And a guy named Alan Platt, who, who pastored a church in Pretoria, South Africa, was there. And he brought about community transformation there. And he was asked to come to, 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 to South Florida because the largest Calvary chapel in Flo South Florida had a moral failure by a pastor. They had the largest Christian school in America. They have the largest foster care and adoption ministry in America. They ran 26,000 people on a weekend, and their pastor morally fails. Alan Platts, they had to fast-track a, a young pastor into a leadership position. So they call Alan and say, you got leadership development qualities. Would you come give three months and just, let a, just walk beside this guy, this young guy, till he gets his feet wet? So he gets his legs underneath him. They said, he said, sure. Well, three months turned into four, that turned into five, that turned into six. And another local church nearby, large, well-known, recognizable ministry, another, person, another, another pastor falls. He happens to pastor Coral Ridge Community Church in Fort Lauderdale, Florida, took over for D. James Kennedy. It happens to be the, the grandson of Billy Graham, Tulian Javidian. He falls and collapses morally. They realize that they got a problem in South Florida. And Alan Platt and a couple other guys said, we got a crisis with our pastors. They asked 12 of them to come meet in a room. He said, listen, we're worried. We don't care about what's going on at your church. We don't care how much your, how your attendance run. I don't care. We don't care what ministry you're running. We are worried about you. What is, what is going on with you? And then around the table, pa Presbyterian pastors and Baptist pastors and charismatic pastors and all these other, were around this table, and they begin to confess their weariness. They begin to confess their weakness. They begin to confess where they were dealing with sin and different things all around this table, and something glorious began to happen. And they realized, dude, we got, we, 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 something's going on here. Looked at them and said, would you go away with us for a couple days, you and your wives? Can we just take you guys away? And instead of, instead of rallying around some mission, they rallied around their brokenness. They come back from that retreat, and they're like, God's up to something. We're actually becoming friends. We're kind of doing something. And guess what happens? There's a shooting at the Fort Lauderdale Airport. Do you guys remember that on the news? They said, we've got to do something. And they, they called, one, of the, one of the pastors had, a, had an FBI agent in his congregation who was the case guy on that, on that, who was the lead agent on that case. Hey, we like to do something. Here's what we're thinking. We'd like to pay the medical expenses for everybody who's still in the hospital because of that. Can you check that out for us? Okay. Alan Platt said they came back with a number of like 30-something thousand dollars. He said, I started thinking in South African money. I went, there's no way. Nuh -uh. Nope, 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 nope. That was on a Thursday. By Sunday, they went to their churches, each of those pastors, and they raised over $60,000 in one Sunday. Wait, wait, it gets better. I'm not done doing this work. What happens then is... They, they say, well, what can we do now? And they're like, oh, there's all these family members who are ostracized. They can't get home. They were, people were traveling. They were in the airport. 
well, we, we can pay for the medical bills now. Can we, can we like pay the expenses of family members coming to, to get here, to stay for however long it takes to get their family member recovered and all that? So they took the additional money they made, you know, on that contribution Sunday and they found they vetted a bunch of other people and got them to come home to be with their, come to Miami to be a part of their family's recovery and all that sort of stuff. And a few days later, the Miami Herald reads this. <laughs> the church shows up. Not, not a church shows up. The church shows up. And it started because pastors began to acknowledge their brokenness. Not because they were growling around some strategy or some mission plan or something like that. A few, a few months later, guess what happens? That school gets, gets shot up down there in my, the, my, the Fort Lauderdale. You remember that story? Like 2017, 18, whenever it was. And they became, they became the, the, they became the, the source, the next morning after that shooting, pastors walked up to a microphone, not being introduced as anybody. They just walked up, read a piece of scripture, and prayed blessing over the community with no accolades, no, like, this is pastor so-and-so. He's They were just dudes doing ministry. And then they began to be the people who got the, resor- got, who got the resources together to rebeautify the school. And then Home Depot wanted in on it. And Lowe's wanted in on it. Because the pastors were willing to face their brokenness together. So let me ask you a question. So if, if that's the case, what, 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 what's holding you back? I'm, hey, just work with me real quick. Let me tell you this story. Let's read this, this pot right here. A little earlier in 2 Corinthians 4, Paul says this. We are nothing but clay, but clay pots, fragile vessels, right? You know, what, you know what the story is of this pot? It came through a factory off an assembly line. It was put in a truck. It was delivered to a store, and a dude with a couple bucks in his pocket bought it. You know what this pot story is? It's been places. It's done some things. It's had, it's had some issues, and somebody took some care and some concern and put it back together. I was, which pot do you want to be? The one that looks like every other pot on the planet, or do you want to be the, plot with the, the pot with the story? I want to tell you something. It's not pretty, because it's hard as sometimes... You can't figure out where the pieces can fit. I mean, it looks like it fits, but it doesn't. Some of us are so worried about making sure all the pieces fit before we tell our story that we're disabled from the glory of God, the story of God to be told. And we can't wait for all the pieces to fit. We just have to get in on it. We've got to allow the brokenness to be what it is, but let the grace of God be what it is. And God will put the pieces where he wants to, when he wants to, the way he wants to. We just have to be willing to let him tell the story. So which pot do you want to be? Do you want to be the nice, clean pot, the one that looks perfect? Or do you want to be the pot that somebody took great care and concern and put it back together? Which one? See, grace reaches when you do some things. When you let Jesus have the pain so your suffering isn't sustained. The first way to start this process is to let Jesus have the pain. 
The grace of God is this, that we're all broken. Jesus came to put us back together. That's the sort of God. So if you're, broken, if you're a broken person this morning and you haven't walked with Jesus yet, listen, you're a great candidate. I want you to look around this room right now. Everybody sitting in this room right now, every one of us have a broken pot story. Every one of us. You're not in some odd place where you are among some people who think they're holier than you because we're sure not. We're, we're in a place where we believe the grace of God is, is powerful and strong. And when we confess him as Lord and Savior, he appropriates his blood to our lives and cleanses us of everything that makes us foul and ugly. And in standing with God, we become holy people even though we haven't arrived there yet. And all he's asking you to do is to, to, to accept that idea that you're broken, he's the healer, give him time to do it. That's what he's asking you to do today. Some of you are followers of Christ, and you feel pain, and the reason you feel pain today is because you're not giving it up to Jesus, and it's being sustained, it's being elongated. Another way you, 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 grace reaches is when you offer comfort to others out of your pain, and this makes your pain not in vain, because suddenly it has value. It's not worthless because it's affecting the, 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 the story of God around you. It's affecting the people of God around you. And, and the worst thing you can do is hold back when God's writing a story. Thirdly, grace reaches when you live, love, and share with the gospel so more and more people can give God more and more glory. Thanks for listening to the CT Podcast, a ministry of Church Triumphant. Another opportunity for you to be equipped and encouraged to win, disciple, and send. For further information, go to www.churcht.org.